Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. We are we are so glad that you are here and we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are here to worship God together and to fellowship with one another. And that's always a good thing to do. Uh, We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us and we're glad that you're here this morning and hope that you'll feel at home with us and, and very much a part of our family. Um, we'd like to ask everyone, if you would, to uh, take the attendance sheets. There's on the clipboard on each row and to pass it down the aisle and put your name and address and email address and phone number, whatever information you feel comfortable giving us. Uh, we would appreciate that so we could have a record of your attendance with us. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, a few announcements that we have coming up um, uh, during this week. Today, our youth will be going uh, to uh, Pizza Hut after the worship service and then I think to uh, Wather Games, I believe, and that'll be after our worship service today. And also there will be a Sunday school workers meeting this afternoon at four o'clock. So if you are a teacher or a uh, volunteer in Sunday school or if you're just interested in wanting to be a part of uh, the Sunday school organization, then then please come this afternoon at 4 o'clock as we meet together and do some planning. Uh, Also, our Upward program is up and running. We've uh, been doing our evaluations this week, but we're still in need of some volunteers, and you can volunteer in a number of different areas. Uh, And this is a, a tremendous ministry, and so we encourage you to volunteer and be a part of this ministry. So... Uh, if you would like to volunteer in any way, please see Christine, and uh, I think she needs you to sign a form. And uh, if you could see Christine, we would appreciate that. And, and will you be around after? There's a, there's a table. There it is. There's a table over here, and she'll be there right after the worship service, and you can uh, see her right after the service. Also, on uh, Tuesday, our women's group will be meeting Tuesday evening, and I, they're going to be meeting here at the church at 530 and then driving to Owensboro to uh, have dinner at a place called the Miller House. And um, understand it's a great place. So if you are um, one of the women of our group, sorry, men, we, uh, we have to do something else that night. Um, but if you're one of the women of, of the group, then come on and uh, meet at 530 and enjoy this time together. And one more thing I'd like to call to your attention. Um, our choir has purchased some new hymnals, and, um, and, and we're going to be dedicating those hymnals next Sunday. We're going to have a special service next Sunday evening at 630 in the evening. And uh, so that's not something we usually do. We're not usually here on Sunday evenings uh, for services, but we're going to have a special service on th- Sunday evening at 6.30. We're going to be singing some old favorites and some new, new hymns and praise choruses that are in the hymnal there. And, um, and one of the things we're going to be doing is, is we are dedicating this new hymnal to Barbara Hilliard, who is always such a faithful member of our choir and our church, and uh, one who we love very much and miss, uh, miss very much. Uh, so we'll be dedicating this hymnal to her next week. Uh, so please put that on your calendar for next next Sunday at 6.30. We're so glad that you're here today. It's great to be together uh, in God's house and fellowshipping uh, with God's people. So let me invite you to stand and turn around and shake the hands of the people around you. And let's just have a moment of Christian fellowship.
eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see Next song we're going to feature Brad. We won't be having words up, but if you know the words, you can sing along. Let there be no condemnation. grace for all the nations by way of holy sacrifice we worship with a sound of broken shackles fall into the ground see
You come on down, chill. children okay I need to ask you a question and then I'm going to tell you the truth about me it's confession time have you ever been scared I mean really scared I have 
That's my confession. I've been really scared before. Really scared. Sometimes it's in the dark. You get scared in the dark. You hear noises in the dark and you don't know what it is. You get scared. I've gotten scared before. So I get to thinking about one of those things that help me when I get scared. So I pack some of them so we could talk about it. And maybe it's some of those things that help you when you get scared. Let's see. If you're scared in the dark, what do you do? What do you do if you get scared in the dark? You get the flashlight out. I got a big old flashlight. So I could bop somebody on the head if I needed to. <laughs> but I get my flashlight out. And when I, other times when I get scared, sometimes I get on the phone. Do you ever call anybody when you get scared and you call them on the phone and say, just need to talk to somebody? Things are... I'm a little scared. You talk to people when you get scared. Another thing I do when I get scared, sometimes it just helps me to get my iPod out and listen to some music. Does that help? If I can stick things in my ears and then I don't hear anything out there, it helps me if I can get my iPod out and listen to some music. Sometimes it helps me to talk to people face to face. Now here's a picture of my mother. She's sitting right there. This is a really good picture of her, isn't it? But she's a whole lot prettier in person because she's sitting right over there. It helps me to talk to my mother when I get scared. Does it help when you talk to your mom or dad when you get scared? It helps me when I talk to my mom when I get scared. And little did she know that it helps me to talk to my sister when I get scared. And she's sitting right over there, too. There she is. We look a whole lot alike. It helps me. Do you know that she, my sister, right over there, is Summer's mother. Summer is my niece, in case you didn't know that. Our new minister of music, she's my niece. But it helps me to talk to my sister. Does it help to talk to your brothers or sisters when you get scared? Yeah. And the other cool thing about my sister, she's a teacher. It always helps when you talk to somebody that's an adult that you can trust, like your teacher, when you get scared. She teaches second graders, and I know that second graders get scared sometimes. And so it always helps when you can talk to your teacher. Sometimes I talk to my friends. Here are my friends. We went on vacation together. I've known them about three times as long as you guys have been alive. <laughs> or four times as long as you guys have been alive. But it helps me to talk to my friends. Do you talk to your friends? When you get scared? Yeah. Let's see what else is in here. Sometimes it helps me when I get scared to watch a funny movie. This one is Steel Magnolias. It is one of the funniest movies ever created. So it just helps to watch a funny movie when you get scared because that distracts you. But the best thing I do when I get scared is what? What is this? Do you know what this is? What kind of book? It is a book. Do you know what this is? This is my Bible. Very good. When I get scared, I can open up my Bible book and I can read that God loves me. God will take care of me even when I get scared. 
and it's God who sent me my mom and my sister and my friends and my iPod and my telephone and my flashlight because God doesn't want me to be scared. God wants me to trust in him so that when I get scared, I know God will take care of me. And that's what Pastor Tim is going to talk to us about today, that God's going to take care of us even when we get scared. Okay? Let's pray together. God, sometimes we get scared, and it just doesn't feel good when we get scared. But we always know that no matter what, you help us. You send us people. You send us music and light and all kinds of things to help us when we get scared. But most of all, you are always, always there with us. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. And God, we love you too. Amen.
Please be seated. Good morning. Brittany wasn't able to be here this morning, but our scripture reference is taken from Hebrews 12, verses 18 through 28. Please follow along. You have not come as the people of Israel came to what you can feel to Mount Zion with its blazing fire, the darkness and the gloom and the storm, the blast of a trumpet and the sound of a voice. When the people heard the voice, they begged not to hear another word because they could not bear the order which said, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling and afraid. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and with its thousands of angels. You have come to the joyful gathering of God's firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, who is the judge of all people and the spirits of God, good people made perfect. You have come to Jesus, who arranged the new covenant and sprinkling of blood that promises much better things than does the blood of Abel. Be careful. Then and do not refuse to hear him who speaks. Those who refuse to hear the one who gave the divine message on earth did not escape. How much less shall we escape then if we turn away from the one who speaks from heaven? His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth but heaven as well. The words once more plainly show that the created things will be shaken and removed so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Let us be thankful, then, because we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be grateful and worship God in a way that will please him with reverence and awe. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the blessings and the gifts that you give to each of us. And, Father, we just pray that we have a faith that enables us to work your will upon this earth, that we be an example as Christ was to us, to others. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we give our offerings today, let us remember those in our community that are living with so little. Let us remember those who do not have a job. Help us, Lord, to help them. Let us remember those who are hungry. Help us, Lord, to feed them. Let us remember those who are homeless. Help us, Lord, to house them. Let us remember those who are sick and unable. Help us, Lord, to heal them. Let us remember those who suffer from addiction. Help us, Lord, to help them help themselves. Let us remember those who are just in a dark place. Help us, Lord, to help them find the light. Let us remember those who do not know you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to help them find you. Let us remember, Lord, that it is our Christian duty to seek out everyone who needs help and needs to find you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Aren't we blessed? Amen. Amen. You know, most of us think of the state of Tennessee as a part of the Bible Belt, that area of the United States known for its religious fervor, but it has not always been that way. According to uh, historian Jack Neely, at the turn of the 19th century, Tennesseans were largely an unreligious group of people. Uh, Traveling evangelists and missionaries had little impact either on the cotton growers on the west side of the state or the hillbillies on the eastern side. But then, on December the 16th, 1811, a massive earthquake rolled across the southern United States. The ground cracked and shifted, houses collapsed, mountains spewed forth jets of of hot water, and the smell of sulfur filled the air. And suddenly, people all across the state of Tennessee began to pray. A small number of smaller earthquakes followed the big one, and, and along with the increase in the number of earthquakes came an increase in church attendance. As a matter of fact, in just that one year of 1811 to 1812, the Methodist church reported an increase of over 50%. I guess that just goes to show you that nothing will make you a little more religious any quicker than a good earthquake. And you know, it only makes sense. It seems that when the, the ground around us is shaking... It's only natural for us to seek that which is unshakable. And in Hebrews 12, we come across a a similar situation as the writer of Hebrews reminds us of the scene in which Moses goes up onto the mountain of Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And it it was a scene that was very much like this earthquake in Tennessee or these earthquakes in Tennessee. If you remember the scene, there was blazing fire and the, and the, 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 the clouds surrounding the mountain and thunder and lightning and the mountains were shaking and the earth was rumbling. But, but in contrast to that, the writer of Hebrews says to us that, that we are not coming to that kind of a scene where the earth is shaking around us, but rather we are coming to a place of peace. When we come to Jesus, he says that since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God with reverence and with awe. And how can we not? These are some interesting words for the times in which we live. For you see, we live in a world where things can be shaken, don't we? And that's the first thing that we need to see from this passage in Hebrews. And if you think about it, this is one of the great understatements of life. We live in a world where things can be shaken. Just seven months ago, we were inundated with horrific images of the terrible earthquake that shook the impoverished nation of Haiti. The shaking started on the Tuesday afternoon of January 12th at 4.53 p.m., about 10 miles southwest of Port-au-Prince. 
The shaking lasted somewhere between 35 seconds and up to a minute, depending on where you were. But, but researchers tell us that this is a long time for the, the earth to be shaking like this. And the effect of this, this shaking was magnified by the poor infrastructure of this poverty-stricken nation. This earthquake left the country in a shambles and left more than 200,000 people dead and missing. Later the next month, a larger but far less destructive earthquake hit the nation of Chile. And this is just a reminder to us of how vulnerable our world can be to natural disasters. Even today, of course, we are, we are told that as far as the amount of damage to life and property is concerned, the floods that have taken place in Pakistan in, in this past week, or they, they say that, that it's even worse than the earthquakes in Haiti. So you see, we live in a world that can all too easily be shaken by natural disasters. And we all know that that is true. A little closer to home. Within the past two years, we have seen the earth shake beneath some of our largest financial institutions. And as this ground shook, experts tell us that our country stood right on the precipice of a financial collapse that was comparable to the Great Depression. And we are still struggling to try to regain our footing as after the shaking under our feet. Our retirement accounts are diminished. Our property values are deflated. And there is only one job available for every six people that are looking for a job. And so we are reminded of how vulnerable our financial institutions are to man-made disasters. And of course, such near disasters have brought out many examples of grim humor. One writer asks... How bad is our financial situation? And his answer to that was that it's so bad that parents in Beverly Hills had to fire their nannies and learn their children's names. (laughs) It was so bad that a truckload of Americans were caught sneaking into Mexico. It was so bad that Motel 6 won't leave the light on anymore. And it was so bad that when the bank returns your checks marked insufficient funds, they mean them and not you. My friends, we live in a world that can all too easily be shaken. Financial meltdowns, terrorism, all kinds of public disasters, and an endless array of personal tragedies that can happen at any time to you or to those who you love. Automobile accidents, sickness, the loss of a job, the breakup of a marriage, random violence, the death of a loved one. All kinds of things can happen. And so when people say that this is a cruel, cruel world in which we live, in some ways that is true. And the truly disturbing thing is that Some of the most important events in our lives are beyond our control. You know, we like to think that that we're in control of our lives. And when we're young, it may seem that way. But as, as life goes on, we learn that control is 
an illusion. For you see, life happens. Sometimes you draw the short straw and there's nothing that you can do about it. You may simply be at the wrong place at the wrong time. But some things are simply out of our control. We do the best we can. We try to be responsible, but, but we never know what tomorrow may bring. There's an old uh, Peanuts cartoon in which Lucy is hovering over a bug, and she says, look at this tiny little bug. It's appalling how little he knows. He's not like us, she says. He doesn't know anything about voting or disease or earthquakes or love or Monday mornings. And Linus asks, Who's better off? Hmm. You know, sometimes we wonder, don't we? And the really frustrating thing about this is that being a Christian does not protect us from the earth-shaking events of life. We have no immunity to bad things happening to us. Mark Schaefer, an Australian pastor, writes... You know, the greatest thing about being a Christian is that everything works out for you perfectly. (laughs) He says, you always get the best parking, parking spots. You never get into fights with other people. You get the best jobs and rapid promotions. You get straight A's in college. Your love life is always great. You never get sick. You never get sad. It never rains on your vacations. Your team, your favorite team, always wins. Yes, indeed, the life of a Christian is one nonstop joy fest. And then he adds, you don't look convinced. Is that not true? And he says, oh, thank God. I was beginning to think it was just me. Folks, we live in a world where everything that really matters to us can be shaken up just like that. And many of these events are things over which we have no control whatsoever. And it doesn't matter who we may be. Some of the greatest Christians who have ever lived have experienced the the ground shaking underneath their feet in a terrifying way. We want to live joyful lives. and We want to live confident lives. But we also need to be prepared that someday when we least expect it, our world can be shaken. And that's why. That's why it is such good news when the writer of Hebrews tells us that we are in the process of receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. He writes, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God with reverence and with awe. My friends, what the... What the writer is telling us here is that we can experience a reality that can never be shaken. And that is a kingdom that is a gift from God. And I know that there are are people who devote their entire lives to keeping the earth stable beneath our feet. There are those who, who regulate our financial institutions. There are those who who seek new medical breakthroughs. There are those who protect us from terrorism, and and they do a magnificent work, and, and some of them have made a real impact on our society. Frank Lloyd Wright is 
probably the world's best-known architect in all of modern history. And he's recognized as for his um, architectural genius on every continent. So it was no surprise that the nation of, Tokyo, of, of Japan asked Wright to, to design a hotel for Tokyo that, was, that would be capable of withstanding an earthquake. This was kind of new ground in those days. And when Wright went to Japan and visited the site to see where the hotel was to be built, the hotel was to be known as the Imperial Hotel. When he checked out the site there, he was appalled to find that there was only about eight feet of solid earth beneath the site where the hotel was to be built. And beneath those eight feet of solid earth, there was about 60 feet of soft mud that slipped and and shook, kind of like jelly. Every test hole that he dug filled up with water right away. And a lesser man would have probably given up, but not Frank Lloyd Wright. He took this as a challenge. And since the hotel would rest on fluid ground, Wright decided that that he wouldn't try to to build a hotel that would stand firm in a hotel in an earthquake. Instead, he decided to build a hotel like a ship. And instead of trying to keep the structure from moving during an earthquake, he incorporated features that would allow the hotel to kind of ride out the waves, the shock, without damage. Supports were sunk into the soft mud and sections of the foundation were cantilevered to the supports and the rooms were built in sections kind of like a train and and hinged together. Water pipes and electrical lines were hung in vertical shafts so that they could sway back and forth if necessary and not break as they usually do during an earthquake. Wright also knew that the major cause of destruction after an earthquake was often fire because water lines were apt to be broken in the ground and so there's no way to put out the fire. And so he insisted that there should be a large swimming pool in the courtyard just in case. Well, on September the 1st, 1923, Tokyo had the worst earthquake in its history. There were fires all over the city. Over 140,000 people died. Back in the United States, news reports were slow in coming in, and one newspaper reporter wanted to print the story, the rumor that the Imperial Hotel had been destroyed, and a the reporter called Frank Lloyd Wright, and, and he said that he could print the story if he wanted to, but he'd have to retract it later. But you see, he knew that his hotel would not collapse. Sure enough, shortly thereafter, Frank Lloyd Wright got a telegram from Japan. The Imperial Hotel was completely undamaged. Not only that, but it provided shelter for hundreds of people who were displaced from their homes. When the fires that raged all around the hotels threatened to to spread, bucket brigades kept the area around them wet with water from the hotel's pool. Frank Lloyd Wright had built a hotel that could withstand an earthquake. And there are a lot of dedicated architects, scientists, Doctors, technicians, 
And they're all doing what they can do to ensure that the shaking of the earth, either literally or metaphorically, does not destroy us. But my friends, listen to this. There is a limit to what human beings can do. But there is no limit to what God can do. And God promises to give us a kingdom that will never be shaken. And what that means is that even in the midst of unimaginable chaos, God gives us a place of unassailable calm and assurance. Even when our lives are turned upside down and while the world around us is frantic with doubt and despair, we can have that inner spring of hope and tranquility because our trust is in God who is beyond the world of shakable things. And that gives us good news to live by. So you don't have to be frightened anymore. As Mary was teaching the kids a little while ago. Because God is there with us. In those frightful situations. We just need to turn to God. There's one author that compares it to a bird perched on a high branch in a tree. He asked, have you ever watched a bird sleeping on its perch and, and never falling off? You ever thought about that? The bird is asleep on the on the branch of the tree and it and it doesn't fall off. If you if you or I tried that, we'd be picking ourselves up off the ground. But this bird is hanging there on the tree, perched on the branch of a tree. And he asked, uh, how does it manage to do that? And he says, the secret is the tendons of the bird's legs. They are so constructed that when the leg is bent at the knee, the claws automatically contract and grip like a steel trap. And the claws refuse to let go until the knees are unbent again. And so the bended knee gives the bird the ability to hold on to its perch so tightly. Then the author says, from sleeping birds, we can learn the secret of hanging on to a life with God. And that secret is the knee that is bent. In prayer. It's only when we bend our knees before God in prayer and in worship that we can truly hang on to that life with God. What a beautiful image of remaining unflappable even when the wind is blowing and, and the ground is shaking around us. While the world around us is frantic with doubt and despair, we can have that inner spring of tranquility and hope because our trust is in God who is beyond the world of shakable things. Therefore, says the writer of Hebrews, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And let us worship God with reverence and in awe. That is the proper attitude for the follower of Jesus Christ. Thankfulness. Worship. Reverence. And awe. And so the question that I have for you, for you today is this. Are you receiving that kingdom that cannot be shaken? 
Or are you still trying to build your life on that shifting sand? Folks, we live in a world that can easily be shaken. We've seen it too many times not to know that. But God wants to give us that place of peace and tranquility. Even when the world is crumbling around us. Will you receive that peace from God today? It's a free gift to each and every one of us. Therefore, since we are receiving that kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and let us worship God with reverence and with awe. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It is well with my soul, number 410. And I hope that that is indeed true with each of you as we sing that song, that it is well with your soul, that you have come to that place in your life where you have accepted this kingdom that cannot be shaken, that God is providing for us through Jesus Christ. But perhaps you have not made that commitment in your life. And maybe your life is kind of on shaking ground and shifting sand God wants to provide the firm foundation that will give you what you need to have to live your life right here and now in abundance filled with all the blessings that God can give to you and also eternally with him if you've never made that commitment to Christ I hope you'll do that today or maybe you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church. Or maybe you need to have a time of prayer. We invite you to come as we sing. It is well with myself. Would you come?
As you depart from one another, may you go with joy and with care for your brothers and sisters. May you encourage one another in Christian discipleship, in prayer, and in service. May the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ make you a holy people for God's honor and God's glory. And may we go in the confidence that God goes with us and is there no matter what happens. Amen.